Well, thanks again for being here at Grace. Hope you're enjoying our service. I got to tell you, I'm pumped about our service today. We're actually talking about going uh, into Bloodlines, uh, Bloodline, a, a brand new series. We're going to actually delay that a week. And today we're talking about something more basic. But before I get to that, uh, we have an opportunity. The last few years, we've been partnering with Fremont City Schools in the summer lunch program. And that's basically administered by a lot of our people at some of the uh, lower income neighborhoods in our city. And if that's something that you might be interested in or you could help us out uh, for a few weeks during the summer around lunchtime, Monday through Friday, uh, there is an informational meeting next Sunday after the second service in room one. Uh, there's more information in the bulletin on that, but we'd love to meet with you and kind of explain what's going on, and then you could decide if that kind of fits into your schedule or not, but we'd love to have you. Um, there's a legendary football coach, maybe the most famous uh, football coach, the, the best football coach in the NFL was named Vince Lombardi. As a matter of fact, that's why when you win the Super Bowl, you get the Lombardi Trophy. And one thing he was famous for is when he would start his first day of practice uh, for a new season, uh, he would bring all his players in, uh, seasoned professionals, people who had played in the pros, college, high school, people who had been uh, all-stars, sometimes all-Americans, and he would get them into the first meeting of the season and he would hold up a football and he would say, gentlemen, this is a football. And uh, some of his players used to joke that uh, one time a, a guy interrupted and said, Coach, you're moving along a little too fast for us, you know. But he was into the basics. He started out with the basics. And that's what we're going to do today. If Vince Lombardi was the greatest NFL coach, um, John Wooden, I believe, is the grace, greatest college basketball coach. John Wood uh, spent the highlight of his career at the, with the UCLA Bruins. And uh, during that time, uh, he won 10 NCAA championships out of 12 years. Uh, just an amazing, an amazing coach. His star player, and this is back in the 70s, 71, 74, was a guy named Bill Walton. And Bill Walton was a star player all four years. And uh, Bill tells a story that... Before his senior year, he had decided to grow a beard, and he showed up first day of practice with this beard. The reason that was kind of interesting was because uh, John Wooden was old school, and he said uh, he wanted his players clean-shaven. And Bill had thought about that, and he, he came to first practice with, with a beard, and, and so Coach Wooden approached him and said, uh, hey, Bill, uh, you need to go shave practice about ready to start and Bill was ready for that and uh, Bill said to coach he said well coach I've been thinking and I'm 22 years old I'm a grown man and I think I'm old enough to decide whether I want to wear a beard or not because he knew that he was the star player on the team and coach wouldn't thought about that pause for a moment and then he said well Bill you're right you're 22 years old, you're a grown man, and you're old enough to decide whether you want to have a beard or not. He goes, but I'm the coach of this team, and I decide who plays and who doesn't play, and Bill, we are going to miss you this year. 
And then Coach Wooden turned and walked away. And, and Bill tells a story that as he saw Coach turn and walked away, he turned around and sprinted out of the gym as fast as he could to find a razor in order to shave and get back to practice and not be late. And he tells that uh, story with fond memories of his coach. And he, he goes on to say that he loved him. And he really thought that John Wooden was the greatest leader of men he had ever been around in his entire, in his entire life. And what, what, was, what was Bill doing that? Kind of testing the waters, right? Seeing how much, you know, what can I do? I, hey, I know these are rules, but I kind of want to do my own thing. And is that going to work or not work? And both these stories have a lot to do with what we're going to talk about today. We're going to get back to the basics, and we're going to talk about baptism. And we've got a great, uh, a great prop here to help us, right? Um, we, we've, uh, this is our old baptismal tank that was here in the center of this wall. When we tore out, we didn't have it. We were trying to figure out what to do, a temporary one or a movable one or whatever. And, uh, and we had been wanting to do a baptism, but we didn't have a tank and things kind of got delayed, and finally we decided that today was the day we didn't want to wait any longer because we have our outdoor baptism coming up. We had some guys uh, at our church where they said this was about a month project is what they told us, so we didn't think there was any chance. And from last Thursday till today, they worked their tails off, and they, they, they did what we didn't think they could do. Uh, but we've got our baptism tank. So when I talk about baptism, I basically want to answer three simple questions. One is, what is baptism? Two, who should be baptized? And then three, why you should do it. And so first of all, what is baptism? The, the reason that this is even an issue is because the word baptism in our culture has become this religious word. But it wasn't always that way. In the New Testament, the Greek word was a very common word that people used all the time that didn't have any religious connotations really. It didn't primarily. And, and so we've kind of, a lot of stuff has happened where, where that has brought in some confusion about the word. We know that baptism is important to Jesus because one of the last things he said to us, which is one of the most famous things Jesus ever said, before he ascended up into heaven was this. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Go therefore making disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That's what he instructed us to do. So it's, it's basic to Christianity and all Christians get that. But because we all have different uh, religious traditions, or maybe we, or some have no religious traditions at all, we just go by the word. The reason that the word baptism carries all this kind of religious significance is because in the first century, um, when the word was used, I, I was just saying it didn't have religious connotations. But when they translated the Bible into English. They did not translate the word for baptism, which is a Greek word, baptizo. They didn't translate baptize, is how that would translate. They transliterated it instead. Transliteration means that instead of just coming up with an English equivalent of what the Greek word meant, baptize, baptizo, which really means to wash or dunk or plunge into water, 
they transliterated it. Transliterated just means where you take a foreign word and then you make it into an English word by reproducing the sounds with English letters. And then that sort of makes a new English word. That's what happened with baptizo, which became baptize. They didn't translate it. They transliterated it into English. And so it's just a Greek word that now is part of our English vocabulary. Now, where we can see this very clearly in the Bible is that in a few cases in the New Testament, they did translate this very same word. For example, in Mark chapter 7. In Mark chapter 7, it says, um, Mark chapter 7 verse 4. Says And again, this is just kind of a narrative, but I'm just getting at how they're using this word, how Mark is. And when they came from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they cleanse themselves. And there are many other things which they have received in order to observe, such as the washing of cups and pitchers and copper pots. The washing of cups. He's talking about some of these ceremonial washings, and he's saying, hey, and when they're doing this, when they're doing that, they wash their cups, their pots, and their pitchers. That's the same word. So if you transliterated that same word like, like we do in other spots in the New Testament, it would say, and then they baptized their cups, their pitchers, and their copper pots. Same exact word. Another place in the New Testament um, where it talks about that is Luke 11, verse 37 and 38. Uh, Same word where it says this. Now when he had spoken, a Pharisee, this Jesus had spoken. When he had spoken, a Pharisee asked him to have lunch with him. And he went in and he reclined at the table. And when the Pharisee saw it, he was surprised that he had not first ceremonially, ceremonially washed before the meal. What he's talking about? Washing his hands. That, that was a, a tradition that they did. And so the Pharisee surprised that Jesus doesn't wash his hands. That Word for washed is baptized. The Pharisee was surprised that Jesus didn't baptize his hands. Same word. But there it's translated, where in other places it's transliterated, and that's because when they were, uh, when they were translating it into English, it w- had already taken this religious significance, and it was already kind of a political issue, and so they just transliterated the word so they would not miss translate the word if that makes sense so baptize means wash plunge or dip to put something under water now this is the way the jewish people had seen it back in the law there were different things like if they had touched a dead carcass or something like that they were told in the law they had to wash themselves or be ceremonially Cleanse. They'd go out in the river and dunk themselves in, in whatever the law prescribed. But they understood that was just a washing, a ceremonial washing. That's the way the Jewish people looked at it when John the Baptist came along. Just before the ministry of Jesus. He's the one that ushered in the ministry of Jesus. And he shows up and he starts preaching this message. He knows the Messiah is coming. And so he's saying, hey, something big is about to happen, Israel. Something that we've been waiting for hundreds of years. God's about to do something big. The Messiah is about to show up. Repent 
and be baptized. And what he said, he was saying, hey, turn away from your sin toward God and be ceremonially cleansed in, in showing kind of as a public demonstration that you want to follow God. So it was repent and be washed. And of course, as he was preaching this, the Messiah's coming, the Messiah's coming. One day, the Messiah showed up, right? He's baptizing. Jesus comes. And John knows he's the Messiah. And Jesus says, baptize me. John, baptize me. And John's like, whoa, me repent and be baptized. Jesus, you, you don't need, you're the only person that doesn't need to repent it makes no sense to wash you. You have nothing to be cleansed from. And if you remember the story, Jesus basically says, hey, John, work with me on this. This is going to happen. And so John does it. He baptizes Jesus, although he feels very unworthy to do it and didn't really catch that. And Jesus did that as an example for all of us, a ceremonial washing. He was dipped in water uh, to, to show what we're supposed to do. So that's how it started. Now, when Jesus went on with his ministry... And then he tells us that we should be baptized before he leaves. The verse that I already let you. So that's, that's what baptism is. The next question is, well, who should be baptized? Because this is key depending on your religious tradition. Who, the, the question of who is any person who has come to place their trust in Christ alone. That's what it means to be a true Christian. And if you've come to that point, after you've become a true believer, one of the first things that you should do in obedience to God is follow him in believer's baptism where you are put under water. That's what it means. And so that's what, that's what God's telling us to do. Now, we get that baptism is not necessary for salvation. It's something that happens after salvation. And, and I know for some of you... Because you're newer and you have a different tradition. Even when I say salvation, salvation, it, it makes you wonder, salvation from what? Well, here's, here's what God is telling us. It, this is the main theme of the entire Bible. Is that God created us and he created us with the ability to make choices. He gave us that ability. And so that we can choose to follow him. But we've all used that ability to make choices to go away from God. And that's called sin, to do things that God told us not to do. And so the first thing that the Bible is teaching us, primarily Old Testament, but also New Testament, is that all of us fall into this category called sinner. We've all rebelled or we've all sinned against God. We call that rebellion because he's told us what to do and none of us have been able to do that. Now when you talk to people, some people totally get this. Yeah, I, I get I do bad things and I do wrong things and I fall into the sinner category. Other people will say, well, if everybody's a sinner, I guess I am too, that I'm really better than most people and I don't really see that I deserve a lot of punishment or anything. Well, for you, you need to understand what God was trying to hammer home to us in the entire Old Testament. We can see it most clearly in the Ten Commandments. God says to us uh, a, a bunch of stuff, the top ten, right? Things like, you know, don't lie, ever. So if you've lied one time, you've rebelled against God and you're a sinner. 
And he tells us things like, you know, don't commit murder, which is an easier one, except for he also says, if you hate in your heart, you're really violating this command in your heart, even though you didn't actually have the guts to do it. Or he says, don't commit adultery. And some people here are like, well, I haven't done that one, right? And then Jesus goes on to explain that if we even lust in our heart, we've really broken that command in our heart, even though we haven't followed through with it. And then God says things like, don't take his name in vain. Keep a day for him as holy. He tells us things like, honor your parents all the time, 24-7, forever. And he tells us to keep him first. That God is number one in our life for every decision we make, every minute that we live. God is number one. What well, we've all broken these commandments, every one of us. And here's the deal. A lot of times people live moral lives and they're kind of and they have this attitude, okay, yeah, I've missed a couple of those. I'll admit that. But I don't think I've done anything that really deserves God's wrath or his punishment. But God says we all have. That's the whole point of the sacrificial system. That's the whole point of innocent animals being killed as a temporary covering for our sin. Because what God's telling us through all that is our rebellion against God deserves death, a death sentence. Our rebellion against God rightly, correctly, fairly deserves that we would be separated from God forever. That's what God is saying is the fair and right punishment. Now, we always minimize our sin, so we always think, well, it's not really that bad. But we're forgetting that we're sinning against a perfectly righteous, pure creator God who made us. And so we keep minimizing. God's telling us, no, we deserve eternal separation from him in a place called hell. And so we have to come to grips with that. That's the bad news, and that's true of all of us. But the good news, what we call the gospel, which means good news, is that God loves us so much that he made a way by sending his one and only son to come to earth, to come disguised as a human. He, he was born, not, it's more than just disguise, he was born in the flesh as a human being is how he came. So he felt our pain and lived like we do Yet he lived a perfectly sinless life. And at about 30 years old is when he got baptized. And then he had three years of public ministry. But ultimately he came to voluntarily give up his life in order to pay for our sins so that there would be a way for us to not have to. And so Christ came, gave up his life, allowed his creation to torture him to death, and he felt all that just like we would. He allowed all that to happen to make a way for us to be forgiven. So he paid our price, and the way we get that credited to us is that we, we respond to him in faith. And the way we respond to him in faith is simply that we really believe Jesus was and is the Son of God who came to live on earth in the flesh. And we trust in the fact that he died on the cross, that that was enough. His death was enough to pay for our sins so that we could be forgiven. So he's already offered this forgiveness at great cost to himself. 
but we have to receive it by having faith in God. That's what it means to be a Christian. You can't earn Christianity. There's nothing you can do to, to gain merit with God, to, to somehow contribute to uh, you being saved, you being not having to, to pay the penalty. All the good things we do are, are what we're supposed to do. So we all have to respond. It's just faith. And it's faith in Christ alone. We say it that way because we're not adding anything. We're not bringing anything to the table. We're not helping God save us by doing good things, even baptism. Nothing we can do can earn our salvation or even partially earn our salvation. That's what he's telling us. So who should get baptized? Anybody who has now come to faith, they've come to place their belief in Christ and they're trusting in him alone for their salvation. That's when you become a believer and baptism should only happen after you've become a believer, not before. Because baptism doesn't get us anything with God. It's a public declaration that we have placed our faith in Jesus and it's our desire to follow him with our life. And you can't really place your faith in Jesus and not have a desire to follow him. So baptism is just an evidence that we're Christians. Just like church. Coming to church doesn't help you uh, as far as your salvation. It's where you can learn about your salvation and hopefully respond or they could do that anywhere but it's it's it doesn't earn you anything it's just what christians do because god told us to assemble ourselves together in church and god told us as believers that we should follow him in baptism so that's that's the who of it so then the why all right so why should we do it and this is really what I want to land on today. Because I know in a, in a room full of people like this, there's a bunch of you who, um, who, who have become believers. What'd that do? Where'd that go? <laughs> but uh, there's a bunch of you who, who have come to a point in your life where you're trusting in Christ. So you're a Christian. And God says he's never going to leave you and your salvation is rock solid. Because that's all it takes, faith. Although faith, if it's real, will show up in your life through obedience. And I know there's probably many people here who you've come to this place. Really, just in this, we've probably had 100 people come to Christ just this year so far in our church. And, and there are some of you that may have been Christians for 20 or 30 years but you've never followed God and believer baptism. So, so why should you do it? Well, first of all, if you know Jesus, it will cause you to trust Jesus. If you trust Jesus, you'll obey him out of love. If you know Jesus, who Jesus really is, if you get that. Paul describes Jesus this way in 1 Corinthians. And sometimes it's easy to lose sight of this because he came as a man. Colossians 1.15 starts this way. He is the image describing Jesus. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things 
have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is also the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he himself will come to have first place in everything. For it is the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell in him. And through him to reconcile all things to himself, having made peace through the blood of his cross, through him, I say, whether things on earth or things in heaven. I don't know if you, you, you can follow all the ramifications of that, but he's saying, hey, Jesus is, is creator. This thing came right back to me, didn't it? All right, Jesus is creator. And he's saying, hey, he did something to reconcile us to God. How, what did he do? It was through his blood that was shed on the cross that opened up a way for us to be okay with God because through faith in Christ, our sins can be paid for through Jesus and we don't have them as a barrier between us and God. And it's all grace. It's a gift being offered us. You don't earn it. But once you have it, you respond because if you know God, you will trust him. If you know Jesus, you will trust him and trusting him leads to obedience. You trust him because you realize who he is that he knows better than I do. So if you know him, you trust him because you realize that he, he knows better than me what I should be doing. And so if you trust him, then you will obey him because you'll do it out of love. Part of it because you'll just know that he knows better than we do about what's right for our life. And then we just respond to him in love. We'll want to follow him. And so I know there are some here today who have already uh, made arrangements to be baptized uh, at the end of the service, just in a few minutes. And if that's true of you, I want you to stand up right now and just head up to the front here and walk out those doors right under the exit sign on that side over there. So just stand up. If you're in the service, you plan to get baptized, and just head on out. And I, I know there's, there's several that have uh, signed up and they're planning to do that. This is the time in your service. Just go out there. We'll, we'll allow you a few minutes to get ready as we move on. But here's the thing. So go ahead and do that. I know that there are some here who you didn't plan on getting baptized today, but you should have. And you're sitting here and you're thinking, I probably should have signed up. And you're feeling a little guilty. Hopefully that's not from my talking. Hopefully that's from God's spirit in your heart prompting you saying, hey, you haven't obeyed in this. Jesus actually tells a story about obedience. Do you remember that when he, he had his Sermon on the Mount and he's talking about the commandments, he's talking about all this stuff and as he wraps that most famous sermon up toward the beginning of, uh, toward the beginning of his ministry, here's what he says in Luke 6. Luke, uh, let me just read it here. All right. He says, he's wrapping up, and he says, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? At end of his sermon. This, how, this is his conclusion. Everyone who comes to me and hears my word and acts on them, 
I will show you whom he is like. He's like a man building a house who dug deep and laid a foundation on the rock. And when the flood occurred and the torrent burst against that house and, and could not shake it because it had been well built. But the one who has heard and has not acted accordingly is like a man who built a house on the ground without any foundation. And the torrent burst against it and immediately it collapsed and the ruin of that house was great. Do you ever, in life, you come to a decision point and, and you, you start thinking, I wonder if God would want me to do this or not want me to do this. You know what I'm saying? Surely that's happened. Go ahead and put your hands up. You know, you're, and you're trying to figure it out. God want me to do this? It should happen to pretty much every believer. You know, what should I do here? If you're a believer and you haven't been baptized... Think about it this way. What if Jesus was sitting right next to you? And you're thinking, wow, should I get baptized or not? And if he asked Jesus what he thought, we already know that, right? I think Jesus would answer us sometimes a little tougher than we think. I think maybe if he was sitting next to you and you said, all right, Jesus, it's a little embarrassing. It's been a long time, this, that, and the other thing. Should I get baptized? I think Jesus would say... Why do you call me Lord and you don't do what I say? Why do you call me Lord and you don't do what I, what I say? Here's the deal. If you're sitting here and you're thinking, man, I, I should jump in. We're ready for you. I know you're thinking, well, I'm going to be all wet. Kevin, do you realize you go underwater here? You know, I'm going to be wet. It's going to be messy. We've got T-shirts. Shorts, everything you need, every size, extra large, large, medium, small. We got it all. It's all out there ready for you. Ladies, we have a hair dryer in the ladies. We are ready for you to change into some clothes that can get wet. We have towels for you so you can go and put your street clothes back on. We're trying to make it easy for you to obey. And, and so if you're sitting here right now and you know, yeah, I should do this, I want you to stand up right now. Come to the front and just head over and go right out those two doors right now. We have some people that are, that are behind those doors are ready to meet you. Uh, they're going to ask you a couple questions. Yeah, just go ahead. Just go ahead. And we are behind you 100%. Yes. some time. Obedience is always tied to love in the New Testament. You know, what does it, what Jesus say? He said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And again, I'm not here to ambush you, to make you feel guilty. If God's making you feel guilty, good. You know, he does that to us. But uh, don't want to ambush you. And some of you may have some, you need a conversation or a little more time to process you can write down on your card, hey, I need to get baptized and we'll, we'll have a meeting. We'll tell you more about it.
But some of you, you already know it's a slam dunk. You get it. You understand it. Just for whatever reason, you've never followed through. There's still time. Just stand up. Head right out those doors. Or somebody's going to ask you a few questions. They're going to lead you down to the restroom. They're going to show you a table outside the restroom with all the clothing I just talked about. Pick out what you need. Go on in. Change. Come back out. And we're going to have a baptismal service here. If you know somebody who's getting baptized or somebody who, who just left, we invite you to come up, stand around the baptism or even down on the floor. Here's what we're trying to do. Um, we think following God in any area is a joyous thing. And I think sometimes our baptisms get a little, a little too stiff, formal, ritualistic. And we don't really want them to be that way. I think that's part of the reason our outdoor baptism is so popular. You know, sometimes we'll do 100 people will get baptized. We don't want people to wait that long. So we're trying to change up kind of our, our, the way we do things to have it be a little more celebratory, a little more fun. And uh, we're excited about those who have come for baptism. And for just, here's the deal. This shirt, I found out, irritates people when I wear this. Because it looks like it's wet on the bottom of this shirt. And it's not. It's dry. It's just the way the fabric is. You know, so I look wet, but I'm really not wet. You know, I think that's true of a lot of you. You're here. You may have been a Christian for 20 years, 30 years. You look wet. Like you've, you've probably been baptized. But you know you haven't. No better day. No better day to obey God than this day. And again, if that's you, we still have time. You can come forward. No pressure. A little bit. You know, God may be pressuring you, but hey, we just want you to respond. We want you to follow God. Just come forward out those doors. We still have time to, to process you. And again, if you know somebody and want to get a closer view, do that. Uh, we're a little more relaxed. Okay, Jeff's doing the baptizing today, which is always a riot. Because sometimes when he baptizes people, you see their feet fly up. Uh, so... We'll see. Okay, one time. But anyway, it does happen. So you never know what, what's happening with Jeff. So, um, And we don't have any rails, so we're going to try to be really careful. Uh, it's amazing the guys got this done, but uh, doesn't have everything that we need yet. So we have people that's going to help with that. And, uh, and if you're sitting down here, um, watch out. You know, so it's a long fall. So are we about ready, you think, Jeff? Okay, let's, let's go ahead and, and start this thing. What's that? We'll be showing you highlights next week. Is that what you said? Is your mic on, Jeff? Are we set? This is Reagan and Tessa.
be just a few minutes. Um, one thing that happens in a service like this is some of the people who respond are ladies. And so, uh, you know, the wait is a little bit longer. Um, how many guys here have you ever waited on a lady? Okay, yeah, yeah. And I'm not going to ask it the other way. So, because uh, I know that you ladies never wait on us. So, uh. <laughs> are you proud of these who have already come? just gonna we're gonna give a few minutes uh, to allow those who responded more spontaneously this morning uh, somebody's meeting with them talking to them they're being walked down to our new uh, restrooms where they can get some clothing put it on and then they're gonna uh, come back and we're gonna continue our celebration as we do that so tell you something. At Grace Community, uh, there's no better time for us. It, you know, our heart is that we see people come to Christ and then we see people grow in their relationship in following Christ. That, that's the two main things. We see people come to Christ and grow in their relationship with Christ. And that's what makes today a great day, uh, something special, and we want to celebrate with each person uh, who walked in today and didn't plan on getting wet, uh, but they've, because God's touched their heart, they've responded, and now they're going to, they're changing, they're going to come out here and, uh, and get wet in front of all us in obedience to God's command. Isn't that a great day? Yeah. Hey, talk a little louder, Jeff. Right. Belt it out there, buddy. This is David and Deborah J. Uh, have you guys kneeled you can? Trust in Christ and Christ alone for your salvation? Yes, we have. Baptize in the name of the Father. <laughs> and the Son.
Amen. Woo. this a great day of celebration all right Jay's gonna close this out man come on stand up even when the rain falls even when the flood starts rising even when the storm comes I am washed by the water even when the rain falls even when the flood starts to rise, even when the storm comes, I am washed by the water. Whoa! It's a great day, church. Man, thank you, Jesus, for your love. Thank you for those we saw follow him in baptism today. You guys have a great Sunday. You're dismissed.